the Rock and Roll American Football Podcast. Absolute Radio. And uh, welcome to another episode of Rock and Roll American Football. I'm Jay Lawrence. Today, uh, I'm joined, I've got a special guest today, haven't I? I've got former Packers, Panthers, Seahawks guard, uh, Mike Wall. Mike, thank you so much for joining the podcast. How are you today? Yeah, I'm great, Jay. Thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Um, now we were just saying, uh, we were just saying before we started that um, you know it is currently what it's ten past three in the UK right now, which mm-hmm. means it's ten past nine in Austin, Texas. Uh, you've been up since five o'clock in the morning. I swear, every time I speak to to any athlete of any kind, it is always now. I've been up since like four. I've been up since five. Is it just like a standard thing for you guys to be up so early? I just think we st- we get once you get in that habit of of being in a routine all the time, like when you get and when you get out of that routine, you get really antsy. So I think you know for for whatever we do it subconsciously or we actually set alarms. I think most of us just try to stay out of routine so we don't go nuts. Man, well, you know what, I uh, appreciate you feeling you uh, having a cup of coffee or whatever before coming on. Um, you know what, I thought with today, it would be it it it's it's all about Wild Card Weekend or Super Wild Card Weekend, whatever you want to call it. And then it's the divisional divisional round, obviously, we're going into. And of course, one of your teams, one of your former teams uh, being there. So I figure what we'll do, we'll first start, actually. We'll first start, if you don't mind, talking about, you know, what's just happened over the last few days. A weekend that's, in my mind, you know, not necessarily full of surprises in what happened. Is there anything that sort of caught your eye over the last few days? Uh, the two, my two takeaways were probably one, we don't need to have seven teams in the playoffs from each conference because those <laughs> games were a waste of time. And it's, it's a bigger deal. I think it's a bigger deal for the second team to have a bye week than it was to have mm. that extra game. I know the NFL, the owners will probably argue that with me. And then last, the only game that really shocked me was last night. Last night's game blew my doors off. I, I thought for sure. I felt like you ever watch that like Freaky Friday movies when mm. uh, the two people switch bodies? Like I, I feel like Kyle Murray and Matthew Stafford like switched bodies last night. Kyle Murray was playing with a guy, you know, he's, he's throwing the pick sixes, standing in the middle of the end zone and doing all the stuff you've seen Stafford doing for the last four or five weeks. And I really thought the Arizona Cardinals would come out and play a much better game. I didn't think the, uh, I didn't think the LA Rams offensive line would be able to run the ball like they did. I think Cam Akers coming back was a huge shot in the arm for those guys. He was definitely a physical presence. Obviously you saw what happened at the end of the game with Buddha. Um, and I hope he's okay. But yeah, that was that was a nuts game in so many ways. I, I just I saw the physical dominance going the other direction. I saw them being able to take care of Aaron Donald, at least, you know, always consciously put two or three guys on him and let everybody else kind of get dealt with. Von Miller actually showing up and having the game that he did yesterday yeah. was surprising. I mean, there's just a it was just a it was a nuts game. It was over from the start. And when guys, you know, when people come out flat like that, it just shows I mean, it shows among other things that a lot of people face the playoffs and the pressure that is put on you externally. A lot of people feel that maybe more than they should. Well, I mean, you, you said it there. I mean, it's one of those games when, when I mean, just from a neutral standpoint, you always want these games to be competitive. But uh, Cardinals, Rams, have faced each other, of course, twice already uh, this season. You hope that there's going to be some sort of uh, semblance of a game in the fourth quarter. In this case, there, was, there wasn't really much of a semblance of a game in the second quarter. Yeah, there was a couple of games this weekend that were just turn. Let's just turn it off now and not waste our time. Let's like save our our enthusiasm reserves for yeah. for a game that matters. And this this game last night was it was nuts. I mean, it, unless you're like a huge OBJ fan and you just wanted to see him do well for the first time in the playoffs, there was really no reason to even watch that game unless you just wanted to you know start start counting the mistakes. It was it was it was a, there was a couple of games this weekend that were just kind of tough to watch as a, as an enthusiast. 
Well, you, you know, you, you mentioned they don't need seven get seven teams in a playoff, and you know that is something that I've I've heard over the past couple of days. Um, obviously, with just some you know essentially poor showings from the Philadelphia uh, Philadelphia Eagles as well. Um, you know, there is no way this is going to change. So it's almost like you just got to. Right. It's almost just like you've got to suck it up in a way, isn't it? Because just I can I can understand uh, where that comes from. Um, but I mean, if we're being completely honest, there's it's more likely that there's going to be eight teams in the future, isn't there? Rather than uh, go back down to six. Yeah, they'll probably they probably will try to figure out a way to just get rid of the bye week altogether, get the the one mm. seed. Like they'll just say, well, the eighth game's like a bye, and you know, there's going to be eighteen. I'm sure there's going to be an eighteen game season here in the next five years. The way things are going, we just keep getting our as a, as a former player, you just see the NFLPA getting their heads beat in every time they go to the bargaining table with uh, <laughs> with the owners for some reason. And uh, I think that part of it's been pretty frustrating. But, you know, at the same time, if another team gets in, another uh, another uh, another couple of practice squad players are making some extra cash and, and they get the opportunity to some at some point, a seven team is going to beat a, a two seed yeah. at yeah. some point, And then we're going to say, oh, it was all worth that, you're it. right. You're right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, that, that's how this always goes. You're, you're, you're a good person to speak to, actually, just talking about the end of the, the Dallas uh, Cowboys San Francisco oh, 49ers game, disaster. you know, from an offensive lineman standpoint, a bit, I mean, that, that last two, three minutes of the game was a bit farcical in a way because um, the Dallas Cowboys could, couldn't quite get it done. And the San Francisco, as in they couldn't, you know, get themselves over the line to give themselves a chance. And the 49ers couldn't put that game away. And every time it seemed like they were, there was a mistake made uh, or there was, a, you know, a penalty or whatever. So talk me through. Talk me through the thinking. Talk me through the thinking of uh, Dak Prescott running for the last play. Obviously, time runs down. And then, you know, more than anything else, there is a whole protocol here, isn't there, with offensive, right. the offensive lineman to do with the ref and all of that sort of situation? Well, you start with the idea, and I think a lot of young coaches, they learned this at some point. You, you, you're not supposed to even think about the concept of running the football there unless you have 16 seconds left on the clock. Yeah. That has kind of been predetermined as the amount of time you should have. So 14, you're cutting it really, really close, and everything's got to go perfectly. When you make that kind of play, you see that you see that the, the Cardinals are playing sideline defense, so the middle of the field is going to be open. He's going to be able to – all they're trying to do is get, is get one shot mm. with four or five vert, Right, you can get a whole shot down the middle where you're throwing the ball on a rope, and anything can kind of happen, right? As as opposed to maybe throwing uh, two hail marys, and really what you're hoping for there is either a a miracle or b they, you know, they had already gotten some pretty questionable calls in Dallas Stadium, so maybe you get another questionable call. The thing that is, um, I guess, grotesque about the way that was executed was that every one of those players on the field have ran the two minute drill for probably their entire football careers, at least, you know, once or twice a week. What we have in football, we have something called, we just call situational football. And Bill Belichick's, you know, considered the greatest person, uh, the greatest coach in the world in, in large part because he's a master at situational football. His players know exactly what to do, how to do it, what's going to happen, what the rules are. Should you give the ball to the referee, for example? And for, for Dak Prescott to not give the ball, to not hand the ball directly to the referee, and waste that time and lose the game. I mean, you lose the game for a number of reasons, but to mm. end the game because essentially you didn't do what everybody on your team knows you should do is a pretty damning indictment of them, Dak maybe as as um, being re- you know playoff ready, 
uh, uh, certainly from, you know, where does the buck stop in that organization? Does it stop with Jerry? Does it stop with Coach McCarthy? But, you know, somebody's responsible for educating the players in situational football and that your quarterback wasn't ready to execute at the level needed to win is uh, it's a pretty damning statement about kind of where they're at as a franchise. But it's difficult, isn't it? Because you say, you know, isn't it sort of an indictment? And, uh, you know, is that on is that on Dak or whoever, you know, should really, um, uh, you know, make sure that he's ready. But this is a this is a, a, a situation where, you know, he's been doing that for years. He has been playing football the majority of his life. This is not a crazy thing. More than anything else, is this I mean, is, is it more than just like, yo, we got 10 seconds left. It's getting the best of me. I think personally, yes. I think the answer is the answer to that is it, the the situation in the moment got too big for Dak, right? Because mm. it's just something you have to know. What happens is because of the way that game was played, because the Dallas Cowboys lead the league in, in penalties, because they had fourteen penalties that game, some of which were just like inexplainable, especially some of the defensive holding calls they had where they were tackling mm. offensive linemen um, in the hands of the face calls, the pre snap penalties, like when you kind of look at the entire game and the reasons you kind of go back and go, okay, why did we lose this game? And you start looking at the penalties, the mishandled plays, the, you know, the situational football that you've lost. And then you look across, you know, you got to remember in, in America, the Dallas Cowboys are the most talked about team because Jerry Jones is the most talked about owner. And so we off, we spend too much time saying that like a, a good player for the Dallas Cowboys is considered great because they hype them up so much. An average player is considered good. So they're probably not the team that a lot of people think they are just because of the hype they get. But having said that, if you look across the entire uh, season and the reasons that they either lost games or could have lost games, um, clock management came up a lot. Situational football came up a lot. And unfortunately, when you're a CEO coach like Mike McCarthy, where you're not calling plays on offense or defense, you're really responsible for motivating the troops keeping your thumb on the pulse of the coaching staff, disciplinary uh, uh, rules and routines, game management, clock management, situational football. If that's your job and these things are popping up, like you said, you know, where, where do you, where do you put the blame? Well, ultimately the, unfortunately, unfortunately the, the blame is going to go to the head coach. Mm. Well, Mike McCarthy doesn't look like he's going anywhere anyway. This, uh, this no, year. Jerry's loyal. Jerry's, yeah. I mean, you think about the amount of, you know, like the coach before them, I don't, they never really had any success, mm. and he stayed there for a long time. Jason Garrett, he's a cowboy through and through, you know. So, but he, well, I'd say he joined got, the Giants. Mike's got, <laughs> yeah, and Mike's and Mike's got you know. Listen, a lot of people knock Mike for for not winning more Super Bowl bowls mm. with Aaron Rodgers because of Aaron Rodgers' talent. And you know, we'll, we'll see we'll see how that how that plays out. Maybe at the end of this year, and and kind of the success that Aaron's had with winning MVPs and his numbers have been pretty good since since Mike left and Matt came in. But you know, you. It's hard to win a Super Bowl. I didn't win a Super Bowl. It's hard to win. It's hard to win the big game, and he and he does have one. So I think that goes a long way in this league. Well, you know, you bring up Aaron Rodgers, and you, your your two uh, paths did not cross, I believe, when it came to play come to playing with the True. Packers. Um, but you know, it's not as if you didn't play with another pretty decent quarterback yourself. You know, uh, having Brett, Brett Favre and protecting him that whole time. I mean, that you know, looking back on that, that must be quite a uh, um, quite an incredible thing to sort of think about. Brett was, you know, it's Brett was an unbelievable guy to walk in uh, to a locker room, be able to work, you know, work to uh, protect. And certainly when I got, I got there in 1998, so they just been to two Super Bowls. And so our locker room was like Brett Favre, Reggie White, 
Lori Butler, Santana Dotson. I mean, we just had, we were stacked with guys that are kind of household names at the time. And one thing as a young player, one thing that I think fans, casual fans don't understand is we contrive and we generate a lot of kind of forced emotion in football because I think for other, amongst other reasons, like we're generally concerned that you're going to get hurt. Mm. Like there's, there's this, there's this manufactured emotion in the sport because the sport is violent because of, of the situations you put yourself in as an offensive defensive lineman, as a linebacker, et cetera. And so a lot of people think you have to like bang your head against the wall or manufacture this emotion to get up to play this game. You always have to be in that like sympathetic state, that, that fight state. And what a guy like Brett shows you is if you're good and you prepare and you're confident in your preparation, you know, we just, you, I'd always talk about like work hard, kick ass and enjoy both. Right. If you can do that, then you can show up to a game in just this very calm, relaxed. Let's go out and do what we do best. Let's have fun playing with our friends, talk trash and and all that, but be in a more relaxed and relaxed state and therefore enjoy the game more. Mm. And that's something that those guys really taught me coming into the NFL. Like it it, it was a huge lesson and it, I think it really paid off down the road. Yeah, from your perspective, then was you, were you coming in as you know as, as you know being drafted in the set was the second round of the supplemental draft? Yeah. Are you coming in as a I need to I need to prove myself here, or, or did you are you feeling calm and just knowing that your way is gonna you know your your worth will prove it? I was a um, I, I was an offensive lineman in a, in an option offense, so. Okay. So for those who don't know, that's that's like running the wing tee. It's what the, you know, the Naval Academy runs. The military schools run it because they don't have the athletes to run like a pro-style offense. So I'd never been in an NFL stance. I didn't know how to pass block. I, I was just good at combine stuff. And I could move around pretty well. And I, I like to finish people to the ground. I try to get you know a couple blocks every snap. So I had like that part of the game, but I didn't have any technique. I didn't have any situational awareness. I didn't have any football intelligence. And so I was just running around there uh, like a chicken with his head cut off all the time. And I, I used to just drive the, the defensive lineman insane because I was like trying to fight them instead of trying to play with any technique because I didn't have any. Is this in practice or is this in the Oh, yeah, this is literally from day one. Yeah, literally from day one. And so it really and, – and the other part of it too is I was one of those kids who thought we had to manufacture – I was a basketball player and, and, you know, football was still that – it was it was just a sport that I wasn't 100% comfortable with, like even into college. So you you started listening to loud music. You started banging your head against the wall. You started playing, like, just on the, on the edge all the time. And uh, it, that's not sustainable. That's not the way to grow. Like, you have to be present in the moment. You have to be calm. That's where you make the best decisions. And so that, again, like, that's why I think that lesson of being in that locker room was such a big deal early on. Well, it's interesting you you spoke about, you know, Brett, you know, preparing and all of that, because, you know, I remember listening to an interview with him, basically, when he came into the NFL and they were yeah. talking about, you know, certain, um, you he know. didn't know what a nickel defense was. He's like, that's it. That's it. He, yeah. he, he didn't know. He didn't know. <laughs> so this idea that, like, you know, and obviously he's an incredible, he was an incredible quarterback, you know, Packers right. legend and all of that. But it's just funny to, to think from, from this guy when he enters the league to, you know, to when, to when you're playing with him, it's almost, it almost sounds like, you know, it's two different characters, really. Yeah, certainly. And it was. I mean, he was a three-time MVP by the time I got there. They had already been to two Super Bowls. Um, so it's, it's a different guy, right? He's transformed. He's been in the league for 10 years already. And, and usually, you know, what you see, I think, when you get into the league and probably all professional sports is you see a lot of – if you see a, a soccer player, a basketball player, a football player with um, – sorry if I said soccer again. I know that bothers you. Could, you. Don't worry. It's fine. <laughs> just you have to differentiate them. That's the yeah, thing. That's right. You know? That's right. Um, 
but you see the body, the body type usually changes, right? They, they either tone up or lean, or, you know, they lean up or, or they get a little bit, you know, a little more body armor on them. The, the sporting intelligence changes, the demeanor changes because their life perspective changes and their experiences grow, right? So these things that happen and we all evolve. And when you get to see the evolution of somebody that makes a comment like that in year one, I mean, Patrick Mahomes kind of said the same thing. I think after year two, he was like, I really don't even know how to read defenses, guys. I'm just out here doing this on my own. And it's, it's kind of scary to think about how good, you know, those people can be that already have that natural talent and that work ethic, but then have that sporting intelligence side that they can really level up on. So it's, I, that's part of the, that's part of the fun of the game, having relationships and, and seeing all those people grow. And, and then you look back and hear comments of things that either you said or somebody else said, and you're like, God, well, what, what state of mind must I have been to make that comment? Any sort of anecdote you've got about Brett Favre, because he's just a bit of a character, isn't he? Yeah, he really is something different. And, uh. I mean, the, the stuff that the stuff that you've probably heard, you know, here's the best story I have about Brett that, that was in a game. We're playing we're playing the Detroit Lions, who you know, we usually beat up on, especially at home. It was a cold. It was a cold weather game. And they had this guy that was like a his name was Alonzo Spellman. And at one time during the during the uh, his tenure in the NFL, he was a frightening human being. He was just you know, six foot seven, 315 pounds with abs like he's a big arm, just scary looking dude. Right. And at this point, he, was, he had been hurt. He had bad knees. And I think he was like third team on the Lions. So we're, we're beating him pretty good. And it's the fourth quarter. It's cold outside. He comes in. He's playing over our right tackle. And uh, we, we run a screen pass to Amon Green, you know, Packers all-time leading rusher. And most quarterbacks throw the screen pass, and they just kind of watch, right? Well, Brett starts sprinting down the field. And we're all throwing our blocks. And we look up, and Amon's still running. And Brett's running down the field. And he takes out Alonzo Spellman's knees. I mean, just flat, like blindside. This is back when you blindside guys. He not only blindsides him, but he he can't go high because Spellman's rocked up up top, right? <laughs> so he takes out his knees, and Spellman's like lose, like completely goes insane. Like you know, you call the the the, the paramedics. Like there's going to be a, a murder on the field, right? He loses it completely, and it's the end of the game. We're running out the clock, and there, our right tackle Mark Tauscher is like. He comes back to the hall and he goes, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it. Because Spellman's over there and he won't stop talking. He's, I'm going to kill you. You know, he's just losing his mind completely. And sometimes what, like, what you don't understand as a fan is when you see little guys like Steve, Steve Smith in Carolina used to do this all the time. He would talk mad trash like the defensive ends, the D tackles. And what some of the offensive linemen are thinking are like, dude, you're picking a fight with a guy I have to fight. <laughs> like, like, please stop. <laughs> yeah, and Brett yeah. was the king at that because everybody wanted to have a little chat with him, right? Because that's how people get popular yeah, yeah. is talking trash to the quarterback. Oh, man. He just he seems like a, a character, you know. That must have been, um, you know, quite incredible that to uh, to be playing in front of him for, for all those years. Um, you know what? We'll go on to the Packers now because they obviously uh, are in Lambeau this weekend. Um in the divisional round uh, for the, well, the the third time running, I think it must be, yeah. So it's been quite a few years uh, for Green Bay Packers, obviously not made the Super Bowl yet. They host the San Francisco 49ers who beat the Dallas Cowboys. Is this a situation where it's almost like a tale of two quarterbacks, you think? Well, certainly uh, we feel pretty good about, you know, Brett's probably going to win his fourth MVP. Uh, I've, to me, he's the best quarterback I've seen play. Uh, the things that he's doing on the field, even though I, you know, a lot of people are talking about how, um, you know, some of this, we start looking at stats now because of PFF and, you know, all the rules are obviously slanted to, you know, it's like Peyton Man used to be the best regular season quarterback with all the stats he bought up, but Tom Brady's the best quarterback of all time. And, and I think right now you're kind of seeing 
that you can talk about stats and then you can talk about who's just mastered the position pre-snap, post-snap, decisions he makes, how he can, he's been able to protect this this offensive line that's been missing four starters for, you know, most of the season. And uh, we feel really good about that. And then you look on the other side and, and honestly, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo, I know he's got some numbers and I know that the off, the uh, San Francisco 49ers are a top five offense when he's, when he's started historically. But I have to tell you just as a, as a former player, as a guy who watches this all the time and as a Packers fan, I'm thrilled that he's in the game. Mm. And I just, I just know that there'll be times during this game. I, you know, I could be wrong, but there's, I think there's be times during this game where he just gives up the bag. He makes mistakes, whether he's, you know, like in, you look in the Dallas game, he threw the pick to get them back in the game. He missed the, uh, he missed the post corner on, on the wide open player to, to not extend that drive. But maybe most importantly, the people aren't talking about, it, they blame it on the tackle on the fourth and inches for the quarterback sneak. Trent Williams shifts and, and he doesn't wait for the, it, that was inexplicable. Like you, you don't wait for your guy to get set before you run a quarterback sneak. And that's the, I mean, that is essentially the game there. All the stuff that we talked about with the clock management yeah. is gone if he just does his job. So as, as a Packers fan, you just feel like he's going to give up the bag. They have some really good uh, skill position players. Debo Samuel is unbelievable right now. He's, he's just one of those guys that, Gosh, sometimes a guy shows up in a situation and they just have that confidence that the team is building the offense around them and they just turn into this, this like multiplier effect of what talent they display on the field. George Kittle's the best tight end in the league right now, so he's fun to watch. Trent Williams is the best tackle in the league right now. They have a good offensive line, good running game. I love how physical their defensive line is. Like It's going to be a great game, but yeah, certainly, gosh, having Aaron Rodgers right now and the way that he's playing, the way that those receivers are playing, you got to feel good about it. I mean, the way that you describe it, yeah, I guess just proves that point, doesn't it, really? You know, all of these skill players, all of these offensive players uh, for the 49ers, and yet you're still confident because, well, you're not confident in the quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo there, someone who's, you know, incredibly unlikely to be a 49er next season. I think probably the only way that he's going to be a 49er next season is if he wins the Super Bowl, which of course means going through Lambeau. Tell me about a Lambeau playoff game, though. Tell me about what it's like, you know, it's not exactly... Uh, Warm weather, that's the best of times, but, you know, that the, uh, the excitement must get you sort of through that one. So, so Lambeau is not as loud as people make it out to be. Um, it's not like that, like the snap count for the, off the, the opposing offense isn't that difficult, but the atmosphere is incredible. The atmosphere is incredible, and what I will say is just being on some other teams and going back up there and just talking to people that have, that have played in playoff games up there as, as opponents – there is a moment, I think, for every player that's there for the first time in January, in the cold, with the crowd, with, with all the pop and circumstance. There is a moment where they are awestruck. There is, you know, there is four or five minutes that they just kind of go, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm, I'm in Lambeau Field in January playing in the playoffs against the Green Bay Packers. And there, there are moments in that game where you lose yourself a little bit and you can take advantage. As, as a Packer, you can take advantage of that, certainly, because there'll be lulls in play. Um, there'll be lulls in play just because of, like you said, the atmosphere that, that comes with being in what is Yankee Stadium to the rest, mm -hmm. you know, to the rest of the world, right, for, for, uh, for Green Bay with all those fans and, and what it brings. And, and, of course, if you say all this, and they, they've had, you know, they've had arguably, you know, two generational quarterbacks, best quarterbacks in, of their time for the last 30 years. So it doesn't hurt. So I guess that brings us to, uh, to, to a couple other playoff games, obviously, that we've not discussed so far. Um, you know, you can tell me if you think these are straightforward. You can tell me if you think these are going to be the battle of two 
for lack of a better phrase, Titans, you know, Bengals and Titans, Rams, Bucks, Bills, Chiefs as well. Um, a bunch of these games. I think are quite too close to call, actually, I think. Yeah, I mean, where do you want to start? The uh, the, the Bills-Chiefs game is going to be a good game. You think it would, it would be a great game. Well, the way that uh, the way that Josh Allen played last last week. Unbelievable. Yeah, and, and listen, situationally, the, the New England Patriots were a top defensive team. They're great against the run, and they ran against them. Um, they, they established dominance in, in that area of, of the football game. And I think that travels well to to play against Kansas City. You know, when you talk about when you talk about playing against Patrick Mahomes, one of the keys is always for great quarterbacks. There's only four or five great quarterbacks in the league, and the key is just keep them off the field. Um, and can you do that? Like, can yeah, it's you? It's an do easy that? way of putting it. To be fair, I mean, it's easier said yeah. than done, I'm sure. But you know, yeah, and, and so it's uh, it's one of those situations where when they move Chris, went so when Kansas City they went and uh, picked up Melvin Ingram. He was kind of disgruntled when he went to Pittsburgh. He's a he's a been an absolute stud for the Chargers for the last like you know six seven years. When they picked up Ingram, they can move Chris. They decided to move Chris Jones back to defensive tackle, and and to me that their entire makeup of their team changed back to being a very very good defensive unit. Um, so I think that's strength on strength. When you talk about the Bills game plan versus what the Chiefs bring to the table, I think that's going to be a great matchup. But Josh Allen is just one of those. He's he's an X factor, just like Patrick Mahomes is. But even maybe even more so in the weather, with just from a physical standpoint, his ability to run the ball and just like if you ever stood next to the guy, he's kind of like he's not quite Cam. Like Cam Newton was kind of almost scary to stand next to, like embarrassing. You feel bad about yourself, kind of bad, you know. <laughs> but Josh Allen's like right there, so um, I think that'll be a great game. Uh, I don't know. Would you you think that's going to be close? I think that it's going to be an interesting game, you know, and. It, you know, the Bills have sort of been um, for maybe up and down is a little bit unfair, really. But I think they've shown their worth over the past few weeks. And the thing is, is, you know, massive recency bias. But when you beat Bill Belichick, when you beat the Patriots with, um, I think it is something like objectively the best offensive performance ever. You know, not yeah. since whatever, you know, when you score a touchdown on every single drive and you make Bill Belichick, who's meant to be this, you know, who is a defensive wizard you know, look ordinary. Um, I think that's something else. And you know what? Again, these are these are two teams that faced each other recently. These two teams that um, both have those, you know, Wunderkind quarterbacks playing each other. Um, who, you know, I, I, this is the good, this is the interesting thing I think about, you know, Josh Allen, I think about Patrick Mahomes, is that they are both um, incredible what they do, but you wouldn't necessarily say that they're exactly the same type of quarterback at the same time. You know, Josh Allen, you know, Patrick Mahomes can run. But as you say, you, you you reference him, you know, sort of, you know, like Cam Newton in a way. But Josh Allen, when he's when he's running, there's not many better quarterbacks um, outside of Lamar Jackson, uh, who are probably similar. But he's a bulldozer as well. You know, he's a bulldozer when it comes to it. Um, I think it's going to be a fun game. I think that's the best way that I could possibly put it, to be honest. Yeah, the Chiefs in the in Chiefs stadium is, uh, you know, it's one in one A with Green Bay. Uh, I think from a, just an atmosphere perspective, especially in the playoffs. So. That's going to be a really fun game. And, and the other game, the, the Bengals, mm. the Bengals. So these playoffs for me have been just this great statement about how offensive defensive lines matter again in the National Football League. Because mm. all we do is with fantasy football and all the statistics to go with quarterbacks and, you know, we're extending games, making it easier to throw. You kind of lost the demeanor of the offensive line for a long time. And it's come back and 
we have if you look in the if you look in the playoffs now and the teams that are surviving their their offensive and defensive lines are, are are a source of strength and that's true everywhere except for maybe the Cincinnati Bengals yeah right? where the, where the Cincinnati Bengals the liability is probably still the offensive line but they do have this kid who's just I mean, how do you just catapulted himself into the top five quarterback conversation, maybe an MVP conversation. Uh, and then as soon as they bring in this kid, Jamar Chase and, and the way that they, the way that they carry, carried on from what they had in college and how much of a impact they have made on that team, the makeup, the way they think about themselves, the ceiling that other players like have set for themselves because Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase are on the field. Like, it's just, it's really a wonder to see. And um, it, they're just they're you're gonna have to prove to me that you can beat them until 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 they lose because Joe Burrow just doesn't seem like anything bothers him, man. Yeah, I mean, I got I I've said over the last few days that if I wasn't already a a Saints fan, the Bengals would be the team that I'd be drawn yeah. to at the moment because purely because of you know that that connection between uh, Joe Burrow and, and Jamar Chase. And I think I actually said on on last week's. Um, Last week's episode, and you and you can tell me actually as an offensive lineman, you can tell me whether you agree or you disagree with this. Right? Is that bef- prior to the draft last year, um, before the Bengals um, drafted Jamar Chase, there was lots of talk whether they were going to get him or whether they, they were going to get an offensive lineman, and you know the critics berated them for not getting that lineman. Um, and yet, obviously, now it's a completely different factor, but. What that does mean is that they knew before this year that the offensive uh, before the draft that the offensive line was going to be an issue. They still know it's going to be an issue. Is that not in some way kind of um, is that not kind of a good thing? You because you you recognise that there's going to be an issue. Granted, you didn't fix it, but it means that now you can fix it. You know, going forward after this year. Well, I think what it it says a couple of things. I think they were talking about Penai Sewell. That's it. Penos, and, who went to the, yeah, the Lions he, he, in the end? Yeah, he he went to the Lions and and he had a good year. Um, he, you know, he turned out it it turned out that Slater, the guy from Northwestern, was actually the the guy. Which I I think a lot of guys like me, ex offensive lineman, we kind of knew he was going to be the guy, just the way that he moved. Um, when you look at when you look at the Bengals, they've given up over fifty sacks this year, which is leads the league, and. The thing is about, and I don't, I honestly don't believe that I know Zach Taylor and he's, he, he's a really, really smart guy. He's a good leader. I don't think that Zach Taylor knew that Joe Burrow would, would be able to get hit 10 times a game, take four sacks and just go, you know what? I've got 25 other times, but the ball's going to leave my hands. And if I just get this one kid, I can throw it to him 20 times. And they're going to look mm-hmm. like this. Like I, it's hard to imagine that anybody thought that Joe Burrow would be able to stand up in the face of 50-plus sacks, which means 100-plus pressures, and still be able to deliver on time with the accuracy, with the, with the, with the demeanor and the, and the coolness that he brings to that offense. Like, it just it seems really difficult for me to, to kind of cross that bridge. Um, so I don't know if I'm – not, I'm not, I guess I'm not saying that they were lucky that they got it right, but – you know, a lot of things had to work out really well. Number one being like Joe Burrow can just take a beating and keep playing. Yeah, which is surprising, you know, considering the injury that he received last year as well. Um, yeah. And that he's not more, you know, I guess some some players, some quarterbacks might be a little bit more hesitant when it comes to actually getting hit because you know what's happened in the past. Um, so uh, I'd be interested to know what your pick is on that game in particular because, you know, Titans, the uh, the number one seed, um, against the uh, hosting the Cincinnati Bengals, what's your pick? 
So that yeah, the Titans play in a like they have play they play in a conference with the Jags and the Texans. So they had yeah, you know, it's just there's a little bit mm. division, excuse me, but you know, you look at you look at where the Bengals are coming from as far as competition, and you start kind of mapping all that out a little bit. And I, you know, I like Tannehill a lot. I wonder if I wonder how much um, Derrick Henry's going to be back. That probably makes a big difference in in who I would choose. You know, if he's healthy, you, you kind of got to lean on the fact they're going to be able to run the ball against the the Bengals. And so I, I think I would lean towards taking the Titans here at home. But again. Every time I've made a, a statement about Joe Burrow, he's just kind of proven that I, I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to some some of these guys because they're just so unique in the way that they approach the game and like like the 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 stuff above the shoulders is so important in football, especially for a quarterback. And like he's he's you know he's top one of one or top one of you know top two in in, in that department. So what you're saying is Titans, but uh, if I'm wrong, then don't blame me. What I'm <laughs> saying is my money will be on another game. Yeah, yeah, that's fair <laughs> enough. That's fair enough. Uh, uh, and uh, you know, I, I know that you're uh, you're picking the the Packers to get through to at least um, the, uh, the the conference uh, the game um, Super Bowl winners as well. God, you think I, you would think it's going to be Packers Chiefs in the Super Bowl? I mean, just based on what what we've seen mm-hmm. over the last quarter of the season, the level that Aaron Rodgers is playing at, the fact that he has a good defense for the first time in ten years. Um, defensive line that can get home with four. They're getting Zedaria Smith back. Think about Devondre Campbell shows up in his first team All Pro. We've been we've been lucky and we've been able to, you know, play that two shell defense and and keep guys in front of us and make people take the long route. Um, I think that's going to be a problem. Obviously, when you get to the Niners, who can run the ball, if they can if they can't stop the run, it's going to be a problem. We've had it. We've had some tackling problems with uh, with Savage among other guys at, at safety. And they'll be able to, you know, so we'll be, but we did play on the line. Of, we played on the, the Niners line of scrimmage last time we played them in week three. So I, you know, I, I kind of feel good about that matchup, but, you know, going forward, you know, the big game, assuming we take this one is, is Tom Brady coming into town. The Bucks just look amazing on defense again with all their guys healthy. That's going to be a huge issue. And Tom's one of those guys that he can go that you want an 18 play drive. Okay. I can do that five times in the game if that's what you want. And so, you know, playing that, we see in the league we've been playing two shell and then let you know just betting that your quarterback is going to make a mistake, your offensive line is going to have a holding call set you back, and you're going to, your your drives are going to kind of get fizzled out because of a mistake you make, not because something the defensive has been doing. And we've been you kind of look at that across the season in the NFL the entire year. I don't know that Tom Brady is the guy that I want to bet make you know make that bet on. So that's going to be a great matchup, assuming that both teams get through. And also, I, and I guess it depends as well what the offensive lines like actually for Tom Brady as well after uh, uh, some an injury to Tristan Wurst as well, and I, I believe the center as well. Um, so I hope Jensen's uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the key to that line. He's he's an unbelievable player. Um, so I noticed how you were uh, you you scooped scooted away from actually saying I believe the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, but I'll let you have it. It's fine. Um, oh, I think the, the Packers will win the Super Bowl. Oh, there we go. Know, it's oh, a yeah. big line. Oh yeah. Listen, I mean. I don't. I don't. What's the what's the bet today in Vegas? Where do you guys you guys do uh, you guys do online betting over there? Yeah, yeah. We 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 do online betting. That's that's fair to say. Um, except we don't do the whole the same odds as you do. So it's taken me ages to actually get used to whole the whole uh, plus three hundred plus five hundred, and I'm just like I don't understand what that means. <laughs> um, I don't know what they are. I'll tell you what. I I, I the Green Bay to win Super Bowl odds currently. At the first place, here we go. So that is plus three eighty. 
Does that sound about okay. right to you? Yep. So that, that means that a hundred will get you 380. Yeah. 38 to one. Um, no, 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 no. 3.8 to 3, one. 3.8 to one. Yeah. Yeah, is that right. how you do it? That's right. Yeah, that's right. Three, yeah, that, that's how it would so you're work. Probably, yeah. But you, because you because they're so sophisticated over there, they're probably doing fra- you know seven to two and making me think about fractions. It would whatnot, be. Yeah? It would be. There would. There'd never be yeah. a. It'd never be that's a point. Extremely arrogant. That. That's an extremely <laughs> arrogant take from the other side of the Atlantic for the Americans. Um, sorry, we're used to it. Um, the uh, uh, and I tell you what, I know you, you said that you said that the Packers are going to win the Super Bowl, and um, before I let you go, it'd be. Um, it'd be remiss of me to to mention to not mention the other two teams that you formerly played for, uh, the the Seahawks and the Panthers as well. Two teams that sort of, um, well, maybe one more in flux than the other at the moment, but still both you know you could argue in flux nonetheless. Which one do you think is more in flux? Wh- which one do you think is more in flux? Well, think- <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It looks it, so right now in in Carolina, they're just calling for everybody's head. It's it's and like I think I think Matt Rule just came out with this list of o- OC candidates and it's all former 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 and it's like can we why don't we get some guys that are current 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 you know um, they have an identity issue for sure Matt Rule came in as a guy who was being able to turn around a franchise at, at the college level talking to college kids and talking to pro athletes are different getting the buy-ins a little bit different um, he seems like an extremely smart human so I'm I'm sure that's not lost on him. But the mechanics of that, you know, maybe take longer than than I think some of the fans had hoped. Ha- bringing in a guy like Sam Darnold has, um, I don't want to say he set the he he set him back, you know, but I don't I don't know if you gained any a, a good year this year as far as well. It's put more pressure on 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 you know on rule. I mean, there's no doubt you've got two years now with with two quarterbacks that haven't, for lack of a better phrase, proved themselves, you know. Yeah, but I, and I guess what I mean by that is, is I don't know that Rule was known as an offensive wizard or anything. I, I think he was more like a, a CEO, right? And and that's why. But when you when you're a CEO and you hire Joe Brady because he had one good year with now we know Joe Burrow is Joe Burrow probably because of Joe Burrow, not because of Joe Brady, right? And, and then you you fire him halfway through the season. Again, what we talked about with, with with CEO head coaches, like that's a really really bad look. And so the you know the pressure is not necessarily because of the quarterbacks because they really haven't had a fair shake. At like this guy is our guy, we know exactly what we want, and this is we're going to go get him. Um, but they they haven't even been able to turn maybe a lower tier quarterback into a middle tier quarterback, and and that is problematic given the fact that now he has to whether it's Sam Darnold, Cam, whoever it is. They're starting over with a new system, a new philosophy on offense, a new language structure. Like these things are hard for the entire team to learn, right? And then the quarterback, it might be like, you know, it, it's it's not as easy as me going over to the UK and just trying to speak the Queen's English. You know, it's where there's a couple changes. It's like going over and trying to speak Greek. You know, it's it it sounds a lot different sometimes. So, and then you look over at Seattle. Gosh. Seattle's such a great organization, great ownership group. Leadership is fantastic. Pete Carroll is just. He's just one of my favorite humans in the NFL. I, I love he's he's so authentic with his enthusiasm. Like most guys, you look at that and you're like, that's got to be a game, man. That can't be right. But he's a real. He I've been around him. I, I know you know some some of his family members. Like he's a real deal. I know guys that play with him at SC. They just love him. And so John Schneider was a, a Green Bay uh, a guy before he became general manager up there. I love that guy. And, and I'm always rooting for that franchise. I don't know. Like I, I had one of these get off my lawn moments on our on our Packers podcast. Like I don't know if I want to go through another offseason with 
with Russell Wilson talking about, uh, you know, saying, trying to say all the right things in public and then having his guys in the background saying, you know, actually, we really don't want to be here. Uh, we'll, we'll go play for these four or five. It's like, man, if you don't want to be there anymore, we'll go find another guy. It's okay. The, the running game and defense is what got us to win a Super Bowl in Seattle, not let Russ cook. So mm. you take that for what it is. You know what? Say what you want about Aaron Rodgers over the last, you know, 12 months or whatever, but at least, at least he says it, I suppose. You know, at least he's the one that's actually doing the talking rather than... You're right, Russ. Refreshing? Right? It, it, yeah. It's refreshing, isn't it? And it, it just doesn't seem underhanded. And, and he delivers. He, that guy always delivers. Delivers W's. They might not yeah. win Super Bowls, but they're, they're always, you know, he's always in it. So um, minor changes in Seahawks needed, potentially, depending if Russell stays. Is that what you're saying? I'm, I'm saying that I don't think, I think Pete is staying. Mm. I think that I, I'm hoping, and we'll see by the end of the week or end of next week, I think that the Allen um, family has decided to have Pete and John yeah. stay. I think, yeah. that's a, I think that it's but just an like, enormous yeah. vote of confidence for them, and that probably means... It probably means that Russell's not there. Oh, there we go. Well, then maybe the Seahawks are the team that are more in uh, in flux than the, than the Panthers. And I was looking I, at it the wrong way around. Yeah, I mean, I don't listen. What's you always? There's only a handful of quarterbacks in the league that are going to win you a Super Bowl, and he's won a Super Bowl. They won a Super Bowl. I think probably more so on the back of their defense and the running game, but he has won a Super Bowl. Um, I don't know. The way that, you know, with Pete Carroll and everything that, that, that kind of where he comes from, what he believes in. And, you know, their, their whole thing used to be let's draft him young, let's play him early. And if, unless we have really special players, we'll just churn it through. And they just happened to get, because of your defensive coordinator, linebackers coach, like when Ken Norton, you know, was, was running the show there, they got these guys that were so good so early that they had to start paying them. <laughs> And you just, you know, eventually it's like you pay, you pay, you pay. Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Bobby, they, the Richard, they all get, you know, older, they get hurt, and you're kind of, they're, re, they're reloading right now. But you see on their defensive side, at least, they, like, Diggs is good, man. Like, I, I know they, they maybe made a mistake bringing over uh, Adams from, from the Jets just from a financial standpoint, but they've got some players over there. They're going to be good in a couple of years. With or without Russ. With or without Russ. That's right. With or without. <laughs> uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Uh, and Thanks if nothing else, we've got a, uh, a controversial take about Russell leaving and a not so controversial take that you think that Green Bay are going to win the Super Bowl. Wow. Listen, 3.8 to 1 odds. Is not, <laughs> that's not terrible, right? That's like, uh, I think that's 16 to, is that 16 to 5, right? I mean, I, don't, I mean, they're not even real odds. I mean, I mean, you're the finance guy, Mike. You're the finance guy. Gosh. <laughs> You, you, yeah, you, you, you would think, you would think with, uh, I always look at it this way. I wish I would have understood betting when I was younger, but then I couldn't because I was playing. But when I was living in Vegas and all residents do in Vegas is sports bet. You think we're going to the casinos or not? We, everyone's at the sports book. And so all the parlays and all kind of the, the stuff that I think makes, you know, the casual sports fan really in love with the sport, I missed out on. And at some point, I need to, I need to kind of, I need to get into it a little bit more, man, because I think it's, I think it's a big part of the game now. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. The Rock and Roll American Football Podcast. Absolute Radio.